Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. It's Let's ride. Time for the words that are recited before each and every game here at Dodger Stadium. Take it away, Finn. It's time for Dodger Baseball. What is going on, Dodgers fans? Hope you're all doing well out there. The Incline Dodgers podcast is brought to you by Fansided. We're very excited to be a part of their network, as well as Minute Media. And you can read Dodgers content on DodgersWay.com. Oh, man, last night was quite a doozy. But your Los Angeles Dodgers survived the wild card game. Tip the cap to the Cardinals, though. They really battled us. I want to start this one off with Jake Reiner because we were both at the game and Jake, I want to get your thoughts on last night's action. Uh, I have many thoughts on this. I learned a couple things last night. One, I never want to do that ever again. I hated that <laughs> wild card game with a passion. It was brutal up until Chris Taylor hit that walk-off home run. It was excruciating the entire time I was there. The second thing I learned because I've never watched a uh, high stakes game with Kevin before, especially at the ballpark is that Kevin is, is almost like a silent assassin the whole time. He doesn't get angry. He, he, he's, he's, he, he is animated at the right times when there are big moments, but he just keeps it in. He keeps it to himself. Me. I'm like, son of a bitch. You know, like I'm, I'm going crazy when things don't go our way and I'm exploding when things go the right way for us. So it was, um, an incredible game to watch and we all I think predicted or at least we thought that it could happen this way where the offense just does not produce like we want them to and it was runs were at a premium Adam Wainwright was terrific uh, Max Scherzer wasn't as terrific, but still kept us in the ball game and the Dodgers bullpen. I can't say enough about them. We'll get into all of the nitty gritty with that, but unbelievable job by the Dodgers bullpen and by Dave Roberts. Yes, this will be an NLDS preview show. The biggest showdown of our lifetimes, potentially with the Dodgers and Giants, but we're going to first spend about 10 minutes talking about last night's game. I want to give a quick shout out to maybe my new non-favorite Dodger in Juan Soto for repping his boys, Trey Turner and Max Scherzer. Way to help us out there, Juan. So David Rosenthal, you got to watch it live on the TBS broadcast. So you probably heard and saw things that we couldn't see from our seats. So why don't you fill us in on some of your takeaways and the emotions that you went through? 
Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm pretty much on the same page as Jake. That was not enjoyable until it was enjoyable at the very last pitch of the game. I felt like dying for two hours. I was on the floor at one point after Trey Turner <laughs> hit that double double play. Uh, I I legitimately felt unwell for two hours of my life. That was that was a quite a roller coaster, but that's baseball, and it, and it worked out. Uh, the things I will say real quick is Dave Roberts and Andrew Friedman drew up quite, quite the game plan and it was executed pretty much perfectly. Uh, you know, it, it had the potential to backfire if that went into extra innings. Uh, they were running kind of low on pitchers and they burned Lux and, and all that other stuff. But as we saw, it didn't matter. And secondly, I just need to take my hat off to Joe West because you guys were at the game. You couldn't see the strike zone. You couldn't see what was, you know, missed calls or what. He it was near perfect. He missed one call to Justin Turner. He he had the game of his life and it is probably his last game ever. He showed out and and God did we need him to have a good game and he did. So great job by the bullpen, great job by Roberts, Friedman, obviously Chris Taylor. Uh but can we not do that again? That was that was, you know, first game of the playoffs. Like let's let's get some easy ones here. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think they're going to get easier, but we can touch on that later. Joe West going out like Peyton Manning on top. Yep. You follow ump scorecards, 98% accuracy on the inside zone and 97% overall. So good job, Joe. Way to go out, Cowboy. I think this is a good question to kind of start the show off by Sam Shearer, friend of the show. Are you worried about Scherzer struggling with his command in his last three starts? Over his last three starts. Um, I mean, yeah, Max Scherzer was obviously the starter. And he didn't seem to have command of his pitches. It was a grind. The Cardinals really worked the count every inning. He never had a clean inning to begin with. And after four and a third, Roberts, uh, as much as Scherzer didn't want to get taken out, he made a call to the pen. And in this situation, it absolutely worked out. But I guess to answer the question, Max Scherzer, are we worried? Uh, no. But what do you guys think? And uh, overall, dissect his performance. Well, I know one thing. One thing's for sure. Sam definitely read Dylan Hernandez's column in the yeah. LA Times. <laughs> yeah. um, God, that guy's a I'm not sad sack. <laughs> I know him in McCullough. Um, I am not worried uh, about Max Scherzer's command because even though he didn't truly have it, he kept us in that game. I mean, he he kept the the only run the Cardinals were able to score was on a wild pitch. That was it. He wasn't really getting hit that hard. I mean, it was a maybe in a little bit in the, in the first couple of innings, but he was a dog the whole night. And um, you could tell that when Roberts took him out, he didn't want to come out of the game. I mean, he had just struck out Tyler O'Neill. And by the way, the Dodgers able to keep Tyler O'Neill from beating yeah. them. And that was a key point that we talked about. Yeah. Tyler O'Neill was 0 for 4 with three Ks and he came up in huge spots. That one where uh, Joe Kelly struck him out and Corey Knable struck him out. That was huge. Um, or no, not Joe Kelly. It was Knable and and uh, Jansen. Huge strikeouts of Tyler O'Neill uh, in big situations. But I, I'm not worried about Max Scherzer. Uh, you know, he's a Hall of Famer. He's going to get it together. And he has a few days off to kind of recoup. He'll probably start game three. And yeah, I, I honestly have no, no worries about him because he kept us in that game. And I know that even when he's off, similar to Kershaw, when Kershaw doesn't have it, he's still able to keep the Dodgers in games. And that's that's the most important point. 
The question is, are you worried about his command? And I, yes, is my answer. Uh, it's it's hard not to be worried about his command right now after his last three starts. Am I worried about his ability to keep the Dodgers in games? No, I'm not. Uh, because he can battle even when he doesn't have it. Yesterday was complete willpower from Scherzer. He, he did not have control of his stuff whatsoever. Uh, and he still managed to, you know, spin four and a third innings of, of one run ball. So yes to Sam's question. I, I, it, I would imagine it's hard to not be worried about his command uh, because, you know, on Monday for game three, who knows what the first two games are going to be, but the Dodgers going to need him to go somewhat deeper in the game than he did last week. Uh, and you're not going to be able to do that if you don't have command, which he hasn't had for three games. So yes, I'm worried, but I'm not worried about him overall. I want to give a huge shout out to Joe Kelly for putting out the flames in that fifth inning. Bruce Star Gratterall came in, gave, did his job. Blake trying and getting five outs, including yep. the heart of the order. Corey Knable cleaning up the mess in the eighth. And then Kenley Jansen with an FU ninth inning to set up what would go on to be a Dodgers walk-off home run with two outs in the bottom of the ninth. The other guy that we have to give major props to, though, is Cody Bellinger. Yep. who a lot of Dodgers fans didn't want to see him starting in this game to begin with. But not Cody us. Bell not us. Yes. We all had him in our lineup, but Cody Bellinger managed to reach base three times. One of them on a base hit. And I think a key factor is he was the only Dodger to get steals in this game. He had two stolen bases, including one in the bottom of the ninth, which obviously didn't, wasn't the reason they scored the go ahead run. But maybe it still got an Alex Reyes's head to begin with because it went from having a runner on first base to now all it would take for Chris Taylor is a base hit and the Dodgers win. And what does Reyes do? We said he was the one reliever that they really had struggling going into that game. He had like a six ERA in the second half or whatever. Serves up a hanging breaking ball to Chris Taylor who smashes it over the left field wall. Dodgers walk it off. Like you guys were saying, I was the most miserable I've ever been at Dodger Stadium for the first eight innings, but it was all worth it in the very end. CT3 right here. Your guy, Klein25, said he needed to be in the lineup. He didn't get the start. I was wrong on that part, but I said he would come through because this is what those veterans do in big moments like this. Cody Bellinger, Chris Taylor, and Justin Turner, all part of that 2017 team. Justin Turner was also the difference because he hit the game-tying home run off Adam Wainwright, the only run that the Dodgers were able to score off Wayno. And that's your ball game right there. Uh, yeah, I mean, Cody Bellinger, like they like the the old saying goes, the things that he did does, may not necessarily show up in the box score. The only thing that does show up in the box score is the fact that he got a walk in the ninth inning, and but that walk was huge because it allowed Chris Taylor to come to the plate, and we didn't need Chris Taylor's run, but we needed his bat. And I agree that stolen base uh, that he, the second stolen base that he had of the night definitely rattled the cage of Reyes. Uh, he had to worry about Cody Bellinger now on second base. He also had to pitch a little more carefully to Chris Taylor and that's what led to the mistake. So all of those things that were kind of a domino effect to lead to that walk-off homer were huge. And obviously those things don't show up in the box score, but for Cody Bellinger to stay focused, he had really good at bats during this game, um, had a single two, um, a couple of walks. 
that is is what you that is what you call a teammate a guy who had a horrendous year at the plate was injured for a good chunk of the season a you know uh nl mvp in 2019 and just a disaster 2021 but to to remain focused to remain in the game to make an impact was huge one thing i do want to say though as we praise cody bellinger for his two steals i don't know why Trey Turner never left first base. He got on base a few times, but never stole second. And that to me was a weird concept because he is your best stolen base threat. He's the fastest guy on the team. And I thought maybe they're respecting Molina's arm, which I get, but when your bats are not coming to the, I mean, they're, they're not rising to the occasion and runs are coming at a premium. You got to manufacture those runs in some way. So hopefully as we go to the Giants series, they'll unleash Trey Turner, or maybe he'll unleash himself from first base and start being more aggressive. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's, you, you guys said what I really wanted to say, but two, two quick shout outs are Dave Roberts for taking the gamble and bringing in Gratterall to get the bottom of the order. Uh, with Scherzer going less than five innings and they're only carrying eight relievers, you kind of needed to sneak in, you know, a not high leverage guy in there. And Roberts chose the absolute perfect spot to get Gratterall in there. He got the first two guys real quick, hit Bader, and then got, got Wainwright. Uh, so perfect execution from Roberts there. And also another perfect execution was bringing in Chris Taylor in the double switch, obviously for the home run, but not just for the home run, for the catch in left field he makes. Yep. Makes. Because A.J. Pollock doesn't make that catch. That, that, that is a single uh, if A.J. Pollock is playing left field in that game. Yeah, good and not point. to be the Dylan Hernandez of, of the podcast, but A.J. Pollock didn't look like A.J. Pollock in the regular season last night. Uh, he's back to chasing sliders that he didn't chase during the regular season. And they're going to need him against the Giants, period. Uh, they're going to need the regular season version of A.J. Pollock. And obviously, it's just one game. I'm not going to you know go on this whole rant, but... He's got to he's got to be the regular season version because they, they need to start him and they need him to, to play well. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you brought up Dave Roberts. He definitely he definitely deserves recognition from this podcast from all of us because he was flat out close to perfect last night. He kind of he kind of has his best games when the back when our back is up against the wall. I've kind of noticed that, you know. He kind of <laughs> yeah. Managed- I mean, with, without you know, if you take 2019 out of the mix, sure. Yes. Uh, recently, last year, uh, yes. in elimination games, he he managed his ass off, uh, and then obviously last night. So it's an interesting, you know, he's maybe yeah. he's got the clutch gene developing and, late late in his career. Yeah, and Urias was warming up in the pen in case the game went to the tenth. So it's really fortunate we didn't have to use him. So now he can start hopefully yep. game two. Uh, I, you know who I, else? I just want I just want to Go slip ahead. something in there real quick. I'm all for taking out pitchers early versus too late. And that's something that he did really well last night. The two moves that he made that I thought were excellent, I kind of touched on it already, was taking Scherzer out when he did, even though he just struck out Tyler O'Neill. Um, that was a really great move to bring in Joe Kelly at that moment. And then Blake Trinan, I even said to Kevin when I was sitting next to him, I was like, why are they taking out Trinan at this point? And Kevin was sort of saying, well, he got five outs. And I'm like, okay, okay, fine. You know, if 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 we need a fresh arm, maybe... Uh, Maybe Tyler O'Neill struggles against the curveball, and boy, Knebel threw a wicked curveball to get him after throwing like six straight fastballs. Uh, he gets him with that nasty hook, 
And it was, it was the perfect move. Yeah. And that was, that was uh, the most pitches Trinan's thrown in a game all season long was last night. Uh, and I don't know if you guys saw it since you were there, but on that curveball, the final pitch of Knable's at bat to O'Neill, he shook off Smith twice. Uh, he wanted that curveball in that situation and he got it. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, the other thing just with, with the Dodgers pitchers, they held the Cardinals in check because the Cardinals were 0 for 11 with runners in scoring position and they left all 11 men on base. Dodgers were actually two for five with runners in scoring position. Didn't feel like it was that good because Trey Turner grounded into that double play. But hey, when they had their opportunities, because there were very few of them, at least the Dodgers came through. Yeah, that was just that was just shit luck for for Trey Turner. And I know David, you mentioned that he actually did swing at ball four. Oh, which the is pitch was a foot and a half outside. So right, you know. But he also hit it right to the second base bag, which is really the only way that they were able to turn that double play because yeah. it was just a room service ground ball to the shortstop, and he was able to just step on the bag and throw to first. If the Dodgers had lost last night, that is something I would have been harping on pretty heavily today. Uh, which was that was exactly that was the moment right there where we didn't have that many uh, run scoring opportunities in fact I think the rest of the way our only run scoring opportunities came with two outs so that was the only opportunity we really had with less than two outs and runners in scoring position so that was a huge moment and and luckily thankfully the bullpen was able to keep it in check uh, enough for Chris Taylor to do damage and the MVP all season long is there anything else you wanted to touch on this game? Or are we ready to move to the next round? I got, I got one more stat before we do the NLDS preview. All right. League leaders, lowest OPS by opposing hitters this season with two outs with at least 90 batters face. Number one, Jacob deGrom, 359. Number two, Blake Trinan, 363. Number three, Kenley Jansen, 374. Those two guys are getting it done with two outs. Right. And it's because nobody can really touch them. The only problem Jansen has, I mean, he did give up a single, um, but really the only problem Jansen has is his, is his control and his walks. Uh, Trinan too has, has plunked a few batters uh, this season, but they can't be, they can't, nobody can hit them. Let's hope we get a clean inning this upcoming round because yeah. that was just too much. Yeah. Not one clean inning last night from, from <laughs> yeah. Dodgers pitchers. Unbelievable. <laughs> It's like, really, Gratterall, you really had to plunk Bader there? Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I feel like this, this has been a long time in the making. Maybe it should have happened in 2014. Didn't happen. Thankfully, the Dodgers took care of business, survived the wild card game. Hopefully, that's the last time we ever have to do one of those because that was just too excruciating. It took too many years off my life. But your Los Angeles Dodgers come in as the wild card team going up to San Francisco to start. They're taking on their biggest rival ever, and it will always be their biggest rival. And go figure in a season where everyone was talking, Dodgers, Padres, didn't happen. Padres didn't make the playoffs. It's the Dodgers and the Giants for the best in the West. The season series went in favor of the Giants. They won 10 games to nine, but it was close the entire way. The Giants actually lost the runs scored battle. The Dodgers outscored them 80 to 78. A lot of these games were close. I don't know where to start with this, but you got your 107 and 55 Giants hosting the 106 and 56 Dodgers. We think we have an idea what the first pitching matchup will be, and that's Logan Webb against Walker Bueller. 
this is a weird thought, and I don't have any stats to back this up, but I like being the team that isn't necessarily favored. I'm not talking about odds or whatever, but just purely based on records, uh, the Giants have home field advantage. I almost like starting it that way because I feel like it'll be maybe even um, easier to steal one or two games away as opposed to having home field advantage to start and having that pressure of like, we better win one of these two games. So I kind of like that in a way. And I feel like the Dodgers um, have, have momentum. They have, they have had, like we talked about, not just it, not just last night, but over the last week of the season, a couple of huge comeback wins, morale boosters. This team is on a roll. And I, I feel pretty confident going into this series. I like the Dodgers in a series versus anyone as opposed to having a one game playoff. And the Dodgers accomplished that last night. Yeah. So this first game is a bit tricky. Uh, Logan Webb has pitched well against us this year. He's had three starts versus us, one in May, two in July. First start, five innings, one run. Second start, five innings, two runs. Third start, six innings, one run. Uh all those games, though, he, he never threw more than 80 pitches in those games. Uh, they've kind of let him expand his pitch count later in the season. Uh, lately, he's been throwing closer to 90 to 100 pitches. So, you know, I, I think we're going to see more than five or six innings from Logan Webb, unless the Dodgers get to him, of course. Uh, but Bueller obviously pitched well in that in that last outing of the season. The one thing I do like, like Jake just said, game three, it's looking like it's going to be Max Scherzer versus Alex Wood. That is a very winnable game for the Dodgers. Yes. Alex Wood is left-handed. Yes. Blah, blah, blah. All the struggles with the first lefties. They've, they've hit him before. Uh, They hit him well earlier in the season against the giants and they can hit him. He is not some shutdown, you know, ace of a staff. He's never going to be that guy. Could he shut us down? Yes. But I love that matchup. So the Dodgers are in very good shape. If they take one of two in San Francisco, If they take one of two in San Francisco, they're going home against Alex Wood with Scherzer on the mound, primed to take a two-to-one advantage. And then all you got to do is win one game. So, look, I don't know if it's going to be Friday or Saturday, but first of all, you have to win one in San Francisco. And second of all, if you win one, the momentum swings drastically in your shift, uh, in your favor. No doubt, no doubt. Two through four games are very winnable for the Dodgers, and we'll touch on those starters uh, momentarily but logan webb aka jesse plemons because that's who he exactly looks like to me <laughs> that the guy from breaking bad it is and, yeah, and from and from everything else friday night friday, lights friday night lights yep and married to kirsten dunce but uh, is he 11... really married to kirsten dunce he is he is good for him logan webb had a great <laughs> season we did not expect him to be the giants ace entering the season but he blo- he blossomed into that role finished with an 11-3 record 303 era uh, I did a deep dive on all his pitches and for the most part, they're all hittable except the slider. He throws that a majority of the time and generates a whiff rate about 50%. No one can seem to touch that slider holding opposing batters in the low one hundreds. So that's going to be the pitch to watch out for because we have a lot of Dodgers that chase the sliders, AKA Pollock and Taylor and Bellinger, but right-handed batters, he does a pretty good job of holding them in check 210, but lefties are batting 260. But this is what really concerned me about Logan Webb in the second half. He went six and zero with a 196 ERA. He got 
really white hot at Oracle. He's been nearly unhittable seven and zero with a two seventy one ERA. Um, but he does have some weaknesses in the fourth inning, five eighty four ERA innings seven through nine. He tends to fall off big time, 10 80 ERA. So he can't go deep into games, but the giants have a pretty serviceable bullpen. Um, so they'll probably, uh, have those guys at the ready. I do want to bring something up because you guys have been praising Logan Webb and rightfully so he's been, he's been really good. However, over his last 30 days, uh, which is five starts, he is two and oh, but he has a four sixty six ERA, a 1.14 whip hitters are hitting two fifty against him, but he does have 31 strikeouts and only six walks. That's what I've noticed in looking at all of these giant starters is that their strikeout to walk ratio is pretty damn good. Um, but Logan Webb, having a little bit of struggles lately. So hopefully the Dodgers can capitalize on that. And it's looking like there's two Dodgers that see him well, while a lot of them don't. Chris Taylor, four for 13. And Justin Turner, three for seven with two RBIs. Overall, I mean, against the Dodgers, we're hitting 127 off him this season. So Logan Webb has been really tough for us. The Walker Buehler, the Giants have seen him a lot, six times this season. And the last time that they saw him, it did not go well for Beeler. He gave up six runs over three innings, but overall, overall in the season, over 37 innings, 219 ERA. Giants are hitting 209 against him. Yeah, it always concerns me when one of our pitchers is exposed to an opposing lineup in that amount of volume. Uh, we saw it with the Padres a lot this year. They saw our top guys pretty much every series. Uh, they didn't tend to capitalize it towards the end there. Uh, but this Giants team is a lot more disciplined. Disciplined is a good word. They're, you know, I don't think they're more talented than the Padres offense, but they are way, way, way better executors. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how Bueller can bounce back from that last start. But I trust him. It's, it's playoff Walker Bueller. I'll be there Friday. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, and also one one interesting note is that I heard uh, an Alex Wood quote essentially comparing the Giants' offensive approach to the Dodgers' offensive approach. These two teams do not chase, and they are very disciplined, and I don't know how, how this was implemented, but essentially what the Giants' offensive strategy has been this season is just to swing really hard at strikes. I don't know. I mean, I guess that's easier said than done, but they have definitely bought into that and have done that really well. I was just reading this quote by Walker Bueller. I guess last night during the celebration, he was twisting the, yeah. the yeah. twisty off the beer cans with his teeth and a lot of people were bothered by it. And so Bueller responded on Twitter saying, if you think that's weird, then maybe you haven't had a lot of, haven't drank a lot of beer in your life. Why were people responding negatively to that? I don't know. I feel like he was just he was just feeling himself and wanted that <laughs> wanted to get that off. <laughs> so the, the the second giant starter, I want to just do a quick deep dive on, and then the rest we can just generally touch on. Kevin Gaussman, who's been confirmed to start game two for them, fourteen and six, uh, win loss record, two eighty one ERA in the first half. He was nearly untouchable with a one seventy three ERA, but in the second half, he kind of regressed with a 442 ERA and the opposition was hitting 276 against him. He'll throw a four seamer changeup slider, which are all very hittable pitches for whatever reason, but his split finger fastball 
for whatever, for some reason, no hitter can seem to get any piece of that because the opposition is batting 133 against that pitch. But I will say the Dodgers faced him or the last two times that the Dodgers faced him, Gossman didn't fool them at all. I think his last outing, uh, Gabe Kapler pulled him after three innings because he yep. threw 80 pitches. And then the yep. one before he went five innings, gave up a few runs and threw 90 pitches. Yeah, Gossman is very, very hittable at the moment. Over his last five starts, hitters are, are hitting 298 against him. Uh, 4.18 ERA, 1.29 whip. And he he's definitely uh, very hittable, but he also throws a lot of strikes. Again, I mentioned the strike uh, strikeout to walk ratio. Over his last five starts, 35 strikeouts, only two walks. So he's around the plate. Yeah, I got one thing to say on Gosman. Sticky stuff merchant. One of the biggest <laughs> yeah. in baseball. This guy was absolutely unhittable for the first two, three months of the year. Implement the sticky stuff. Uh, ban and he has not been the same guy whatsoever even uh, last year too in 2020 he was good yeah i mean his last month of the season his era was 464 uh he had a great start versus colorado and another great one versus san diego recently uh but this guy this is a winnable game uh this is a very very winnable game against gosman like kevin said he struggled mightily in his last start versus the dodgers three innings 80 pitches three walks uh they worked the count they didn't chase that's what they need to do if they want to win uh, this Giants bullpen is is legit, and I want to get into that in a little bit. But yeah, if they can make if they can make Gosman work early, like they did the last game, and like teams have done uh, to him since the sticky stuff ban, they can win this game. Period. Uh, he he does not scare me. Logan Webb is a threat. Uh, Kevin Gosman does not scare me. And I just want to point out something that I think was huge last night, which is the the fact that that game didn't go into extra innings means that the Dodgers didn't have to use Julio Arias. Yeah. And that's huge because Arias has basically thrown more innings this year than he's ever thrown in his life. And so the more rest you can give that guy prior to his start, I'm all for it. And so he should be ready to go in game two. Yeah, yeah. and I have a feeling the Giants are going to do everything they can to hide Anthony Discalfani from the Dodgers. I think they are going to do everything to not pitch him uh, because the Dodgers see that guy very well. You think they would go with a bullpen game over him in number, game four? Would not surprise me. What, Whatever, whatsoever. He's actually been one of their better starters over the last 30, 30 days, but against the Dodgers, they, he, the, the Dodgers have hit him well. I could, see them, I could see them pitching him for one turn through the lineup and taking him out. Yeah. Uh, yeah but speaking of Urias... The 20 game winner will probably start game two. You have to assume at this point. Oh, he will. He will. 296 ERA to finish the season. San Francisco overall, overall kind of hit him well, batting 274. But Urias uh, went two and one. He had one really bad start, but I believe that was more earlier in the season against them. But finished with a 338 ERA. So you'll take that. And I think the key for Urias is just be efficient because. <laughs> Not to overthink things, but this Dodgers bullpen would we, we just work them a lot in this wild card game. You you will have to assume Bueller's gonna pitch kind of deep into this game. But I think once we get to game three and four, well not Scherzer so much, but game four, we're gonna want our bullpen as rested as possible if we reach a game four. Also, yeah. I'm glad I'm glad that Urias is starting at Oracle Park. You know, without Muncie in the lineup, he really hits well at Oracle Park. So he could be a, a, a giant killer in the lineup. Yeah, I mean, these two pitching staffs overall were the best in baseball. Dodgers were number one with a 301 ERA. San Francisco was two, 324, and they were both one and two in the second half. So they are legit. 
Game three, I assume, will be Max Scherzer against Alex Wood. David already mentioned that. Um, and then game four, this is where it's kind of a question mark. Is it going to be Tony Gonsolin? Will it be a bullpen game? We know it won't be Clayton Kershaw. I don't think they'll do Bueller on short rest. And then on the other side, I would assume for now it's Desclafani because I don't think they want to start Johnny Cueto in a playoff game. I, I wouldn't close the door on Bueller going on short rest. You know, it really depends on where the series stands. Yeah. Uh, if yeah, the Dodgers but... are down two games to one, I think you're going to see Bueller. I don't think they're but... going to go with Gonsolin or a bullpen game. Uh, if he pitches, he, he'll pitch Friday. So game four would be on Tuesday. So that would be Saturday, Sunday, three full days rest. Not ideal, but he could give you three or four innings, and I think that's what they do if they're down to. But then doesn't that mean you have to pitch Julio on three days rest? You, yep, you would do the same thing in game five. Oh, well, we won't worry gotta about win that. Game, if you're down two to one, you got to win game four to even have game five. Yeah, I don't. I don't trust Tony Gonsolin in a in a in a winner take all situation. Yep. Fair I mean, enough. hey, I, I think Gonsolin might have to pitch in the game regardless, but I think you might see Bueller to start it. Was it yeah. Gonsolin or May that started game seven of the NLCS? Was it May? May. Uh-huh. Yeah. May. And then it was basically a bullpen game. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the bullpen. So, David, I'll kick it over to you. Uh, yeah. So, this Giants bullpen is is really taking shape the last month of the season. And it's not the normal guys that we've seen. Taylor Roger, Tyler Rogers has fallen off a cliff. Uh, but the three guys I want to talk about are Dominic Leon, Jose Alvarez, and most of all, the biggest threat in the Giants' bullpen is Camilla Doval. Doval, Doval, I don't know exactly how to say it. This dude has been lights out. He has not given up a run in the last month, 13 innings, no runs. Jose Alvarez, ten last 30 days, 10.2 innings, two earned runs. And then Dominic Leon, 13 innings, two earned runs. Those are their, that's their three-headed monster. They're going to get Jake McGee back, who just came off the IL as well. We know the Dodgers struggle versus lefties, so you'll see him. Uh, but Doval has really, has really emerged as their closer. Uh, and I think that's how he's going to be used in this series. You know, we like, we've seen Gabe Kapler, you know, take a book. You know, Farhan's Zaidi is, is similar to Friedman in the sense that they're going to play the matchups. They're always going to make a lot of pitching changes. And Gabe Kapler does that pretty well this season. So basically the key to the Dodgers is don't be down when Doval is coming in the game because he's been lights out and, it's going to be tough sledding against him. Yeah, I mean, this is this is sort of the um, approach we needed to have a few years ago against the the Brewers uh, because they were uh, all bullpen, or if, if I remember correctly, in 2018. And so it's it's really going to be on the Dodgers' offense again to get to these starters. Um, that that's just that's that's just a key. I mean, last night, even though um, the Cardinals bullpen did do a good number on the Dodgers lineup. Their bullpen is nowhere near what the giants have. And so it's going to be key to get to these starting pitchers early. And like David said, don't be down when you have to face these guys, it's easier said than done, but that's got to be the game plan. Yep. Yeah. This giants team, this giants team, in my opinion, is the second hardest team we've ever had to face during all these postseason runs dating back to 2013. I'd give the 2018 Red Sox the edge. They were also cheating, so who knows. But these bullpens, like David said, the Giants have the number one bullpen in baseball, 299 ERA. Dodgers right behind them, 316. 
the two weak links in the in the in the Giants bullpen. One guy I mentioned already, Tyler Rogers. We've hit him well. He has not pitched well in the last thirty days. Uh, Fourteen innings, seven runs, and also a guy I mentioned to you, to both of you in our in our text chat about a month ago at the pro- when we were discussing the prospect of facing the Giants in the playoffs. Zach Littell. Uh, that is their weak link right there. Those two guys. So Kapler uses him quite a bit uh, right-hander. So the Dodgers have a much better chance as if he was a left-hander. Those are the two guys uh, you'll see. You'll see both of them used earlier in the game as opposed to the eighth or ninth. Uh, but if the Dodgers get their chances, it's they got to capitalize against those two guys. Yeah. Don't sleep on Harlan Garcia. They use him quite a bit too. another yeah. lefty who he kills us. Yeah. I don't he's like been, he's watching been bad. He's been bad lately, but yeah, I agree. Lefty. I don't like watching Tyler Rogers pitch because he's kind of a submarine arm and he doesn't throw hard at all, but somehow he's deceptive when he faces us. Other than that time, Will Smith hit the home run off him, but he frustrates me. And I, I have a, he's kind of like um that Padres lefty. What's his name again? Tim Hill. Yeah. He's kind of like Tim Hill, but the, the right-handed version that just infuriates me. He also gets a lot of calls from the umpires because the arm angle and yeah. the delivery is so funky that it throws off the umpires too. Uh, I don't know if you remember anyone listening, the worst strike call of the season was Tyler Rogers throwing a ball about literally two and a half feet outside and, and a foot low and it got called a strike. So he's going to fool umpires too. Yeah. Is there anything else uh, to cover on the pitching before we switch to the bats? I mean, no, I, 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 yeah, I think we're okay. Uh, the Dodgers are going to need their top arms, Kenley and, and, and Trine and, and uh, uh, Vesia and Bickford and, and Knable to perform, period. Because we don't know what we're going to get from our starters. Bueller's been a question mark as of late. Pitched well last game, but overall kind of a question mark. Scherzer kind of a question mark. And Julio Arias has been the most consistent of the bunch, but like Kevin said, most innings of his career by far this season. So we don't know what we're going to get. We need our bullpen to come through as it did last night. Just like the wild card game, I'm expecting a lot of low scoring games where every run's going to count and they're going to be excruciating, nerve wracking, just killing you on the inside because I already gave the stats of how good both these pitching staffs are. And we're going to switch over to the offense in a second. But these pitchers are going to make our lives miserable. And I think the key is just going to be Wainwright was a guy where I didn't expect it because he's just so efficient. Can't say the same about Gossman and Wood. We're going to have to really work these starters pitch counts and try to wear down their bullpen before this series gets too deep and we're in trouble. Oh, yeah. Real quick before we talk hitters, I think we got to do the fans a service here and predict what we think the Dodgers bullpen is going to be. So I have the guys listed and I think there's going to be one spot where we might have differing opinions. So obviously Kenley Jansen, Blake Trinan, Corey Knable, Joe Kelly, Bill Bickford, Bruce Star Gratterall, Alex Vesia, David Price, that's eight. And then with that Ooh. ninth spot, you either go lefty or righty. And for now I'm giving it to Andre Jackson. Are, so are you treating David Price as a lock? Yeah, I'm treating him as a lock. Okay. Oh, I'm absolutely not treating David Price as a lock. Um, I mean, I how many guys did you say? Nine? Yes, 13 yeah. pitchers in total. Uh, yeah, I, I do think there will be nine uh, pitchers, nine relievers. But I really don't think David Price is going to be the guy. I, I just don't. He has just not been 
even serviceable as of late. He really hasn't. Uh, I like where your head's at with Jackson, but man, I, I just, I just don't think it's going to be price at all. You got to have lefties. I, I mean, did you say Justin Brule? No, but I don't think he's been better than price. Uh, oh, I think he absolutely has been better than David price. So I, I would go experience. I would go Brule over price for sure. And either Andre Jackson or Mitch White to round it out. I, I would probably go with Mitch White. Uh, he's pitched more this year, uh, and I like his stuff. I, I think Jackson is a little bit too raw. I think Mitch White is a little bit more fine-tuned. So I would go I would go Brule and Mitch White as my final two. The only reservation I have about Mitch White is that he's not particularly good coming out of the bullpen. He's much better – starting the game and not by much um that's my only reservation andre jackson's been good every time out and i know he doesn't have the experience but i mean if you're if you're weighing the performances of andre jackson and mitch white yeah mitch white has a little bit more experience but it's really not enough for me to say that he deserves it more than andre jackson at this point as far as david price goes i think that i mean i know uh, Kevin had him on there as a lock, but I don't, I don't really trust him at, at this point. Um, he has been um, a little all over the place. He has been effective at times, but not consistently. However, I do feel that he's going to be on the roster. And the reason I say that is because I think Dave Roberts just, he values that postseason veteran experience. And I think he's going to speak loudly f- to have David price on this roster. I, I don't know, man. Uh, you know, you go to August, he pitched 22 innings, 11 earned runs, uh, barely pitched in September, five innings, two earned runs. He's given up at least one run in every other start uh, throughout September. Uh, he gave he gave up at least two runs in five straight starts, uh, five straight appearances in, in August. I, I no, I agree with you. I, I, there. I, I mean, <laughs> the experience is obviously there, but the results are just not. And how experience can't take you, you know, to success just because it's the playoffs. It, it works for can't. Alex Wood. Dave Roberts likes those kinds of players, though. And so <laughs> that's that's why I think he'll be on the roster. But I agree with you. He has not shown he's not earned the spot on the roster with his performances this year. But I mean, look at the wild card roster. Did Luke Rayleigh deserve to be on there? Did Billy McKinney? I mean, these guys did not perform well enough. Souza, these guys did not perform well enough to be on that roster. Now, obviously, Dave Roberts, they knew, wanted to burn that bench like no one's business, and he did. He used that bench, uh, even burning Gavin Lux, which I, I thought didn't make any sense. But I think we have to look at it from a perspective of who we think is going to be on there not necessarily who we'd like to be on there. I think Justin Brule is going to be on there. He's been good. He has legitimately been good. Uh, You take out one outing in September uh, where he gave up three runs to Arizona in in one of the later innings in the game. Uh, He gave up one run. If you take out that outing, he had, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 scoreless yeah, outings well, dating back to August 16th. I mean, that's, that's results. Ultimately, I don't think it's going to be Price or Brule. I think it'll be Brule or Jackson or White because I think they're going to decide 
we got to get into it now because this Giants offense is really weird. They're going to have to have two lefties. They might feel like they need three lefties. And let's get into it because this Giants team, I couldn't even bother to put together a batting order because they change it every game. It seems like for every position, they have a guy that can hit lefties and they have a guy that can hit righties. With the exception of Buster Posey, and we'll start there, the catcher, probably a future Hall of Famer, MVP, didn't play in 2020, bounced back in 2021 somehow, hit 304 to end the season, 889 OPS, absolutely crushed his left-handed pitching, 368 batting average. I think the key to stopping Buster Posey, this stat stood out to me, you can't throw him a first pitch to hit because on the first pitch, he's hitting 415 against the Dodgers this year, batting 294 with a 400 on base, three home runs, lifetime batting 293 against the Dodgers. He is essentially the heart and soul of this team. And to beat the Giants, you got to start with first beating Buster Posey. The the approach from the pitching side of things for the Dodgers cannot be what it was last night against the Cardinals. Because if you allow the Giants to get on base, they're going to find a way to score. Now, the Cardinals couldn't do it last night. They were 0 for 11 with runners in scoring position. They left 11 runners on base. Uh, if you give that to the Giants, they're going to score. Maybe not every time, but they will score. And that's the key because I feel like every time Buster Posey comes up, there are runners in scoring position and he ends up coming through. So what that means is let's 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 let them earn their way on base by by a hit. Let's not hit them. Let's not walk them. Let's tighten up that defense and make sure that we are executing when we need to be executing because as soon as we allow them, give them outs, give them base runners, they're going to take it. Yeah. Um, what I think is going to happen a lot is the Giants set an MLB record with 18 pinch hit home runs. So they're going to turn over their lineup real quick. We saw it in the series, I want to say, in August or September we played them, and they took out Lamont Wade in the third inning. Uh I don't know if that would be a smart move now because Lamont Wade is apparently God. But what I think is going to happen is at some point in the game, Lamont Wade is going to be coming up sixth, seventh inning. Roberts is going to go to Vestia and then Kapler is going to counter by taking Wade out, bringing in a, a, a righty like a, a Slater or, or Duggar. I forget which one is right-handed. Uh, Slater. Slater. Yeah. So look, they're going to be a lot of moves and a lot of counter moves. So, just a batter of which what one was, is going to prevail. What was Wade Jr.'s clutch stats that were just stupid? Like in the I, I don't have the exact number, but I, I think it's 10 for 16 in the ninth inning with nine RBIs and then extra innings, one for two or two for three with like three RBIs. It's ridiculous. He might as well have just been hitting a thousand. I mean, just every no, it's, time. It's up. crazy. I don't know how you could ever take him out of the game with those stats. I really don't. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, the, so. So we mentioned Wade Jr. You'll see him all over the field. Darren Ruff's back, first baseman, sometimes outfielder. Finished batting 271 on the season with 16 home runs, 904 OPS. That's just stupid. Against lefties, he crushed them with 1,000 OPS. And then you got Wilmer Flores. You'll see him mixed in there too. That he's guy kills left- us. I wonder what his stats are against the Dodgers this year. He's, he's killed us. He's always crushed lefties for his career. Always going to be batting three over 300 against them. So you'll see him in the Urias start for sure. And then at second base, they mix and match with Donovan Solano and Tommy Lastella, both guys that shouldn't be good, but yet they seem to arise to the occasion. I don't get that. At shortstop, Brandon Crawford. I want to talk about him right now because 
I don't know how he is rejuvenated. Like I just, the numbers don't make sense based off his career. His on base percentage for any of them. It's the whole team. True. But especially Crawford, you look at his on base percentages by the year, starting in 2017, 305, then 325, then 304, then 326. And now here we are in 2021, 373 on base, finished the season batting 298, 373 on base, 895 OPS, 24 home runs, probably a career high, 90 RBIs. It's just stupid. Thankfully, Brandon Belt is injured with a broken finger, so we won't see him. That's worth mentioning because he also had off the chart numbers out of nowhere. Yeah. And I just would like to throw in, it's really good that we're not facing Brandon Belt because over his last 15 days, he was hitting 471, well over a thousand OPS, three homers and five RBI. So he was on a freaking tear. Um, so I'm, I'm glad that we're not facing him. I guess it's sort of like both, both teams are down their significant first baseman. So I guess yeah. we'll have to see yeah. if that plays any advantage. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, Muncie also murders the Giants. I know. It's really, really unfortunate. Yeah. Really unfortunate. Yeah. That's twenty one. That's the 2021 Dodgers for you, though. He's going to bring yep. him up in a little bit. Then you can let me know if either of these two guys have been hot recently, but their third basemen are both lefty killers, Evan Longoria and Chris Bryant. And then just a bunch of dudes in the outfield, Dickerson and Duggar. They might as well be the same person because I think they do the exact same thing. And then you got Yastrzemski, who doesn't hit for average, but he's got some pop. Can't sleep on him, another lefty bat. And then Austin Slater, this is the guy that I'm actually randomly worried about. Kills the Dodgers, hit 394 against them this year. An OPS of over 1,100 with two home runs. He's another lefty killer. He's probably the guy you'll see come in for Lamont and Wade at some point. They just have a bunch of dudes that are overperforming. Yeah, and one thing I'm, I'm hoping will hurt them is the extended rest here. Uh, you know, they haven't played since Sunday. Uh, they've kind of just had this momentum going this entire season where it's just game after game. They just keep rolling. Uh, and aside from the all-star break, they haven't had a real rest this long. So I'm hoping that this rest period kind of throws them off a little bit, whereas the Dodgers kind of can build off of that walk-off win. I mean, look, wouldn't it, we, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be nice if it, this, this was the point where they, they all came back to earth, like, yeah. and they all, they all just played basically to their potential, uh, yeah. which is a lot, which is a lot lower than what it is right now. Um, that, that would be incredible. It would be. And a lot of these guys weren't a part of that 2014, 2012 run or whatever. Chris Bryant has a World Series under his belt. Evan Longoria has played in a World Series, but like the Darren Ruffs of the world, the Yastrzemskis, the Slaters, very unproven when it matters most. And I feel like the Giants got a pass a lot of the season when teams like the Diamondbacks and the Rockies lied down on their faces and let the Giants just stomp all over them. Dodgers, like I already mentioned, play them tough every game. So these games are going to be a battle without a doubt. Yeah, just real quick, uh, two of the guys we mentioned are super cold. Lamont Wade, three for his last 29, and Evan Longoria, two for his last 33. So hopefully that stays the same. I'm still terrified of Lamont Wade more than anyone on this Giants roster, but uh, they're, they're coming in ice cold. So Jay Bell on Twitter wants to know, 
uh, do you think the Dodgers are going to stick with the same starting lineup that we just saw in the wild card game against San Francisco, like keeping Matt Beatty at first, or do they mix it up? Maybe put Gavin Lux in there, give him some at bats. That's what our listener wants to know. You know, I, I think it's going to be difficult to put Lux in center field in that stadium. Uh, it's a very weird right center. Uh, it's a tough outfield to navigate. Do I think he matches up better uh, against Webb and possibly Gosman than, than say, Chris Taylor? Yeah, I, I think I do. But what I think is going to happen is you're going to see Chris Taylor start. You're going to see Cody Bellinger start in the outfield, one or the other, and probably Beatty at first, uh, unless you put Bellinger at first. I think that's the most likely situation. Um didn't you say Chris Taylor had good numbers against Webb or was it Gosman? I can't remember. I think it's actually both of them. Okay. Then he should be in there. I mean, we, we gotta, we gotta put a bat in there that, that gives us all the advantage in the world uh, whenever, whenever we can. But I did want to say something about Matt Beatty last night. He played really good defense last he night. He did. He serviceable um, at best. Yeah. Yeah. He made a nice catch uh, on a foul pop towards the, towards the line. And then he made a really nice uh, fielder's choice on a, on a ground ball to yeah, cut the lead runner play. out at second. So I just want to commend him for that. Yeah, no doubt. You know, something that's not totally out of the realm of possibility, you know, Kevin mentioned earlier that Logan Webb's slider has been his most unhittable pitch. Well, that's AJ Pollock's most difficult pitch to see. So it would, would I be stunned to see Chris Taylor in left, Cody Bellinger in center and Matt Beatty at first and Pollock on the bench in game one? No, I would not be stunned. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, and yes, it sucks because Max Muncy was the guy that murdered the Giants. I'm trying to think back. Was there anyone else who really killed this team? I know Gavin Lux had a grand slam early in the season. That was against Desclafani. But yeah. I, I don't know. I just feel like every game against the Giants, a lot we had a lot of opportunities to score. And for the most part, we didn't come through. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, I, I think if Lux is going to start a game, it might have to be at Dodger Stadium in game four against Discalfani or the or the bullpen game. But who knows? Yeah, it's 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 tough because you you have to put Gavin Lux in the outfield. And how and how well do you trust him out there? I mean, maybe he maybe he starts one of these games and then he gets relieved by someone who's a little better in the outfield. Um, but it, but it, but I have to you have to think that um Pujols is going to start against Wood, right? Yes, definitely. Yeah, I, I would rather see Gavin Lux play left field in San Francisco than center field. I think that's a much more navigable, navigable, you know, position for him to play in that stadium. Yeah, but then you yeah. take out Pollock, pretty much, right? I mean, if you, yeah, I mean, if you're going to start Lux, you might have to take Pollock if you're going to put, you know, Taylor or a Bellinger in center. So Justin Turner, with his 13th home run last night extended his lead as I think the all-time was it the all-time postseason leader in home runs possibly I, I wouldn't surprise me but this is his He's round really... yeah go ahead the NLDS is his round historically he has absolutely killed it in every NLDS for the most part and unfortunately against San Francisco San Francisco this season he only hit 203 against them with a 623 OPS that's pretty low it is, but it's JT in the playoffs. Like you said, like we saw last night. I mean, that guy, unbelievable. Just 
it was like Wainwright didn't have, didn't throw many mistakes, but the one mistake he did throw to Justin Turner, he capitalized on it. I mean, not much. I mean, he is Justin Turner just outside of the Dodgers for a second, because he is the, the all-time leader in a number of different offensive categories of the postseason for the Dodgers, but just overall, one of the best postseason hitters ever. Um, he just is that good. And it is, it is incredible to watch. Uh, and I know it's, it's sort of like we, we beat a dead horse all the time talking about where, where he started, where the Dodgers found him, uh, how they kind of brought him along and just what he's meant to this franchise. It's just, I mean, it's, it's priceless. So kind of an off the wall question as we start to conclude the show. Which San Francisco giant do you despise the most? Obviously, oh Bumgarner would have been the easy answer, but he's gone now. And that's the thing. Like, this team is, like, so random and just, like, guys who, like, shouldn't be good but are good. I don't really hate anyone on this Giants team. I, I, I just don't. I think I want to la- hate Lamont Wade. I really want to hate him but he just seems like a good guy. Like he just seems like he's like, why well, use know. the word despise doesn't have to be hate, but like just that player that uh, it's just like, I, despise I doesn't make it any better. <laughs> yeah. I agree with you about Lamont Wade. It, it, it's, it's sort of like, are, are you hating them because he's clutch? I mean, because is that a reason to hate someone? I, I don't know. And, and, and I agree. He does seem like a good guy. I mean, he is, he's just good. He's just good when it matters. Um, and, All right, and I'll, I'll humor you, Kevin. If I had to pick someone, it's Brandon Belt. Well, there you go. That's an easy way out. You won't have to worry about him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll go with Austin Slater. Oh, there you go. God. <laughs> okay, yeah. another follow-up question, Jake. If you were presented 10 guys who looked similar to Austin Slater and Austin Slater on the street, and a gun was held to your head, could you recognize Austin Slater or would you be dead? I think you'd be planning my funeral. Okay. Me, me too. Just, just, <laughs> I, I would be, I'd be buried with you. <laughs> I'm going to still go Buster Posey. I just hate losing to the Giants when he's involved because it happens way too often. It, it's, hard, it's hard for me to hate Buster Posey because he's just – been so good for it's so out of, long. it's out of respect though it's a respect thing yeah uh, all right so i guess this is the first time the dodgers and giants are meeting in the playoffs I, I thought it happened in the 50s or whatever but i guess technically this is the first time that's what i've heard now oh oh this. wait 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 i know who i despise wilmer flores he's my, <laughs> oh, yeah, least, yeah. he's my least favorite giant because god he just grinds my gears i can't stand him yeah and i, I never got over the crying thing man yeah it's like, come on, dude. Also, like, you were sad you were traded from the Mets? Like, Yeah, you should be happy. <laughs> Didn't they make the World Series that year? Yeah. Uh, whatever. They still <laughs> lost it because of the Mets. All right. Well, this is going to be a fun one. First of all, it'll suck to lose to the Giants because of all the obvious reasons. So we have to win. This is almost more important than the World Series to an extent because I think I can be okay with not winning the World Series as long as we beat the Giants. But if we lose to the Giants and they go on to win the World Series, like I don't know if I'll, I'll ever want to watch baseball. <laughs> you know what? I, I, you know, we'll be back next year. We're going to be watching. The, we're going to be doing the same shit. 
I'm okay. I'm okay with what happens here. I, I would have been devastated to lose that wild card. Game. Yes. But now that it's a series and it's not just one game, I'm going to be okay. Uh, we won the World Series last year. We're okay. Uh, if we had lost that World Series last year, I would be a complete wreck. But I'm at, I'm at peace right now. I want to kick their ass. I'm confident that we can kick their ass and finally put to bed this retirement home team and stop hearing the end of this you know, Cinderella story. Oh, Gabe Kapler's so good. Uh, Austin Slater, all this crap. Uh, I'm confident, but regardless of what happens, I'm okay. Go ahead. The bottom line is this is a series. We've got to beat them. Plain and simple. The Dodgers need to take care of business. They need to show why they are the best team in baseball. Uh, Again, I'll ride with them any day of the week. Doesn't matter. They're the team that I'm going to roll with no matter what. They've got to prove that they, they can beat the Giants. And I think... We look back at all the opportunities they had during the season against them, definitely squandered a few of them, blew a few of them, didn't execute when it mattered. This is their chance to prove it. On on the biggest stage so far this season, in the biggest series, if they win this series, they probably will win the World Series. This is their World Series right now. This is the best team that they're going to face throughout this entire playoffs, so it's time for them to prove it. Yep, that's what I've been saying. Is this is the one team I didn't want to face. And I think the winner of this series will win the World Series. But go, at the same go. time, I want the Giants. Give me the Giants. Let's go. Yeah. Agreed. I mean, we've said it the whole time during this Giants run is the Dodgers are going to be the have to want going to have to be the ones who take out the trash themselves. Period. Uh, and here's their opportunity. And you know, for all that, you know, heartache and and frustration and just pure just annoyance of not winning the division and that those last three months of being two games back and one game back and two games back. What did the giants get out of it? They get to play home games first and they got to line up their pitching the way they wanted it. That's it. That's it. And they also have to, and then they also have to face the best team in baseball in a short series. Yeah. Uh, Their, their only advantage would be playing a game five at home and they got to line up Logan Webb and Kevin Gosman on regular rest. That's it. So congratulations to the Giants for winning the division, but your advantage is pretty much over now. We took care of business, and and it's time to to take to, take us down if you want to. That's it. That's what it comes down to. Yeah, I mean it's not like it mattered for SF anyways. They went fifty four and twenty seven at home and fifty three and twenty eight on the road, so no win difference really there at all. But I asked us in the last episode, ask it again. Do you have any predictions, bold takes, wild off the board? or just a player that you think will go off in this series? All right. You want me to get crazy? Please. The crazier, the better. All right. I think game two against Gosman, I think Cody Bellinger will have the game winning hit. Okay. I don't know if it's going to be a home run. Could be a single, but I think he's going to have the game winning hit. My prediction, Mookie Betts is going to have the series of his life. We need him. We need it. We need that. We need him to carry this team. All these other guys have done it so far this year. It's time for him to shine, and I think he's going to have a big series. Okay. I have two. The player that I wanted to spotlight, I think Trey Turner comes through. will hit close to 350 in this NLDS. 
with numerous steals. And then the Giants, I think there will be at least two games where San Francisco doesn't have a home run. We're going to see at least one fluky Giants win. Oh, no doubt. And it'll be in San Francisco because the devil lives underneath there somewhere. And... <laughs> yeah. And in the, in the, he lives in the water in McCovey Cove. <laughs> but that's, that's, that's another thing about the series now. Like yesterday in the wild card game, I don't think Seeger or Betts had a hit or even got on base. Mookie had two hits. Yesterday? Oh, yeah, yeah. But they were like right to the shortstop and they shouldn't have been hits. Like Edmundo Sosa was like drunk or something. He was, he yeah. was out of yeah. there. He, play, he played shortstop like Sammy Sosa. That's why. Yeah, seriously. Okay, so ignore that part. But Mookie Betts and Corey Seager basically should have had no hits. And in a series, that's not going to happen. You can, you can get by Corey Seager on one game, but over the course of the series, you're not going to be able to avoid his success at the plate. And that's why I'm comfortable with this series as opposed to a wild card game. Oh, hundred percent. One, you know, one game losing that one game would be so frustrating, especially if our best hitters like that go hitless, because you know that that's not going to happen over the course of a series. Give me the giants, bring them on. I'm ready. All right. We're almost an hour in now. So I think it's a good time to wrap it up. Give me any final takes. And then I just want to ask each of you, to give me your division series picks for the rest of the games going on and who will advance to that championship series. And then we can worry about picking going off further than that next round, but just give me the division series winners after you give me like any final things you want to discuss or takeaways. Go ahead, David. All right. Uh, my division series picks, I'm taking the Rays over Boston, taking the White Sox over the Astros. Brewers over the Braves. And I don't normally do this, but I'm going to do it. Dodgers in four. Wow. Usually shy away from making those types of predictions. I I do. And I'm not shying away anymore. All right. All right. Well, my division picks are, I think, the same. I think the only thing that I think might be different is, um, well, actually... Astros over White Sox? No, because I picked the White Sox to be in the World Series, so okay. I got to go with them. Um, no, it's it's going to be the exact same. I think the Brewers are going to beat the Braves. Uh, I think the Dodgers are going to beat the Giants. And I'm predicting it goes five games and the Dodgers win it. I don't want it to go five games. That would but, suck. I would hate that. Um, I really don't because I, I would hate to play a game five at Oracle. But um, I just think with these two teams uh, – we're, I don't, as much as I want the giants to come back to earth, I, I just, they just haven't. So I, I can't, I can't predict that they will. I'm not going to predict the Dodgers Giants series, but the rest of the way, I think the Braves are going to upset the Brewers and I could see it being a clean sweep. And then for the division series, American league wise, the Rays will play the Red Sox pretty tough. And then I got the Houston Astros beating Chicago White Sox. And if you notice my four picks, they're the exact same teams that advanced in 2020. Can I just, can I just call you out on something? Um, yeah. You've been, you've been a Braves hater for a long time. <laughs> yeah, why do you, yeah. why do you, and you've loved the Brewers. So why do you think the Braves are going to make a clean sweep of, the, of Milwaukee? Jocktober, baby. Jocktober. Oh, there it is. <laughs> But also, like, in, but in all seriousness, the Max Fried, who was a disaster in the first half, became one of the best second half pitchers. Um, Charlie Morton's also been really good as of late. 
And then you just need Ian Anderson to be what he's been. The Brewers, without a doubt, have a great rotation. But Corbin Burns did not look good against the Dodgers' his last outing. You can't put too much into that. But Brandon Woodruff, I think, is beatable. And I just don't buy this Brewers bullpen. They got a lot of pieces, but I just think they're going to fall apart. And my biggest my biggest uh, knock on the Brewers is their bats. Christian Yelich had like nine home runs. That's crazy to me. And they just don't have a consistent offense to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. And they don't have, it. they don't have Devin Williams either. Cause he's an That's idiot. Right. <laughs> he broke his hand being angry in a celebration, which is <laughs> pathetic. Yeah. Which makes no sense. All right, guys. Well, maybe we'll record midway through this series, depending on how things shape out. But first of all, make sure to subscribe, make sure to subscribe to the incline Dodgers on Apple Stitcher. We're on Spotify, YouTube, Google, all that. Give us a five-star rating if you like our content. It will really help us out and help move us up in the charts because then more people can become fans of the Incline and we'll get more guests and all that good stuff, bringing you guys the content you all deserve. But Kevin Klein here saying, Dodgers, Giants, this has been decades in the making. We are going to be sweating our asses off. But (laughs) screw San Francisco. That's all I got to say. Anything else you guys want to add before I close this one? No, you you couldn't say it better myself. All right. Dodgers in four. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.